Um, I just uh, uh, on HBO, Bohemian Rhapsody is a movie now on on HBO. Like, so I hadn't seen it before. I just started watching the first like 10, 20 minutes of it tonight. It's a long build up to just say you started watching Bohemian Rhapsody. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I started watching Bohemian Rhapsody. And but wait a minute. I don't like the story. Where, where was where, it? What streaming service did you watch it on? <laughs> and explain why you hadn't seen it previously. Let me tell you about my family. I sell propane and propane accessories. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, it's Saturday morning Tuesdays. It's Saturday morning Tuesdays, and I'm Austin. Bright and early Saturday morning, and I'm Rory. And I'm Andy. And uh, this is an incredibly special episode, because what you're actually listening to is Saturday morning Tuesdays, the movie, the Saturday morning Tuesdays story, where... Uh, we're learning like the story of us rag to riches. Like this the is origins. how we became, this is like the dramatization of how we went from just nothing kids to being our, <laughs> like to our meteoric rise to stardom and our incredible uh, fame. And so, you know, wow, this is going to so have everything. This is going to be, this is going to be this wild. Is the, this is the kind of, this is the kind of high, <clears throat> high minded, high minded, high minded uh, theme that I usually expect out of Andy. yeah but the producers wanted it honestly the producers were wild for it the fans wanted it yeah the fans did want it they said we want to know where you came from we want to know your roots we want to see we want to see you when you were just a little lad scampering around with your pants (laughs) off i want us to make sure that we don't forget to talk about that part where like I'm a professor and I'm teaching like math somewhere. And then Austin walks in dressed in like a big overcoat and he stands at the back and I like see him while I'm teaching and he gives me one of those little nods and I drop everything and we run <laughs> out the door to become podcasters. Yeah, that's I, I mean, that's sure. exactly how it happened. Yeah, we can't yeah. forget that scene. That's we, we, very we, important. We'd show up in high school each wearing I would wear a shirt that says Saturday and Austin would have one that says morning. <laughs> and he would have Tuesdays. And, and, we, would, and we wouldn't even ignore, we, nobody would know our little secret. We would just wink at each other and we would would know we would know what what kind of japes we get up to in the morning <laughs> andy said wednesdays for a while and we said can we change it i'm not wild about the day the day does, I, wednesday uh, doesn't work for me i've got yeah, a thing it, on wednesday <laughs> <laughs> it took a lot to to get me to to switch to tuesdays because i was pretty poor and i didn't want to buy another shirt another novelty right. shirt with a day of the week on it and it was a but, shorter week it was a smaller shirt he had to lose a little weight to get into that smaller <laughs> smaller word shirt <laughs> That's how sizes work. That's it's true. determined by the design. And your your parents, who were so penniless, would shout at you, <laughs> scream at you every night, and say, you're never going to podcast. And I'd run away from a home, and we'd meet up at, at a park, and we'd all kick rocks and talk about our dreams together. They'd take his, they'd, they'd, they'd come into his room and just tear his Joe Rogan poster. <laughs> don't, don't even imply like I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. That's I'm not sorry, I just, went to, I just went to I one of the oldest podcasts I could think of. Because <laughs> we have to keep, the chronology has to make sense here. We can't just, start, right. we can't just start talking well, about podcasts that have only been around for one year. Unfortunately, the makers of this are going to take some liberties with our source material. And so they're <laughs> oh, going to sort of 
You're never going to be Rogan. Your parents are huge Joe Rogan fans. (laughs) And they really did. And they didn't care for it when you switched from news radio to podcasting. They didn't like that shift. Or they didn't like it when you stopped Fear Factor. When you stopped hosting that great show, Fear Factor. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what a a hero he was for me. To make podcasts for the kids. And they didn't like it. Woof. Well, I, we've got a lot of really good stories. Um, but we're just talk about Joe know, Rogan for a while now. Is this really movie sort of the backdoor <laughs> pilot to the Joe Rogan movie? <laughs> One yeah, podcast w- that would change the world. <laughs> One man who objectively sucks pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> Has a lot of hot right wing takes. Um, no, he's okay. centrist. He's a. He, there's oh, nothing wrong. With, there's nothing wrong with being in the very, very middle. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, way he, he can see hero? the fine people on both sides <laughs> yeah you can't see the fine people <laughs> unless you're standing hands. anywhere right in the center it's the perfect vantage point to see all those people um <laughs> <laughs> boy what a so, great yeah, movie I'm, we're doing <laughs> i'm really excited for this movie uh i, I really want to you know i want to get into the part where we all do drugs but we'll, we'll save that for a little bit so Ooh, the acid episode yeah yeah uh, we watched, uh, this is our final, a third and final week of King of the Hill. We're, uh, we're saying goodbye to it for now. I don't know. Maybe we'll come back to it at some point, but, uh, we, we watched three episodes today, technically, cause one of them was a two-parter and, uh, Rory, tell us what the episodes were. Uh, we watched Mutual, Mutual of Oma <laughs> and, <laughs> and Returning Japanese. Yes. Uh, and boy, I have a lot of good good feelings about that Japan episode. <laughs> I, I wish yeah. it was more anime. There was more. There was not a lot of anime in that. Uh, in he that does Japan mention episode. the biggest kid, the biggest Hello Kitty star he's ever seen. Yeah, but mentioning Hello Kitty is such a. It's not even like acting like you know in an anime. This is just bullshit. Come on. <laughs> I, I think King of the Hill, by definition, is the anti-anime. Uh, it is. And yet the internet has sort of worked wonderful powers to, to <laughs> converge to the two, make the two kiss. Yeah, I've seen that. You, I've seen those YouTube videos making making them anime. Yeah, uh, I mean, on one Pokemon. hand, they're obviously super different on face value. But if you if you were the kind of person who, you know, is kind of just bored of what's going on on American TV, it's you could kind of see how the, these things could both attract you in different ways. For being yeah. very different from what's going on, what's the status quo? Yeah. Well, very true. should we should we dive right into uh, these episodes? I I don't like how numb I've gotten to this transition that we now do every episode some ver- some variety of blank right in. I, I look at look at look at you, but you've crushed his spirit. He doesn't even try to he doesn't even try to <laughs> jazz it up or spit shine, and he's just he's just saying it. He's just saying it like he's won, but it's a it's a hollow victory. <laughs> let's just dive right in. Let's just di- let's, no, let's just dive right in. You know, Roy, uh, that's a good idea. We should dive right in. <laughs> See, that's more fun. It's fun uh, when everybody wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, you know, tensions are really high. We, this is this is just a normal Saturday morning Tuesdays thing, but now you get to see it because this is the behind the scenes, you know, how we became the most popular podcast in America, a movie. 
Uh, well, we're all and- on the swim team, and everybody's lined up on those fun <laughs> platforms, and Austin keeps shouting, let's dive, right? <laughs> See? No, no. No. See, this is this is going to, you know, we really should have waited until we inevitably broke up, and, and you know, we could the movie could be like a VH1 behind the podcast kind of scenario, because this is what it's going to be. It's going to be because of Dive Right In, and I'm going to quit, and you're going to have to find somebody to replace me like in the last season of that 70s show, and it's not going to go well. Uh, you can't replace me. Not this flavor. This sweet now, Andy to flavor. Be, to be fair, to be fair, the first time I said, let's dive right in, we were in the recording booth, and when I said it, the producer looked at me through the glass and said, wait, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> and and from there, I've just been doing it ever since. So, uh, you know, and so we needed some, like, you know, some banter and some frustration. So you know, what you're to, saying is that I should blame Patrick Stagman? Who yeah, I think our, is 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 canonically in this scenario, our, is canonically our, our president. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, we we need to talk about the episode. This episode is wild and wacky and, and all sorts of off the wall fun. It's called Returning Japanese. This was season six, episodes twenty one and twenty two. I got a little blurb for you so that you can know what happened before we confuse you. Uh, Cotton wants to return to Japan to apologize to the widow of a soldier he killed, and Peggy arranges to bring the family along. Hank is shocked to discover that Cotton actually had an affair with the widow and fathered another son, Junichiro. When Junichiro renounces his hill ancestry, Cotton declares his own personal war on Japan by deciding to spit in the Japanese emperor's face. There's the blurb, and that's it. I loved this. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it so much. <laughs> Andy, have you seen this episode before? No. I had no idea. I don't know how that this this flew by me. This is This so is amazing. one that I've seen. I've definitely it's, seen this before. It's so good. Yeah, I mean everything everything in this episode could have like Okay, what I want to say is that there is a <laughs> line, there is a line with racism that this one gets real close to and then does not cross. And I very much appreciated it. Uh, well, yeah. I think, you know, they've got a lot of experience kind of intentionally doing that of, mm-hmm. of, of not of twisting stereotypes, sometimes effectively, sometimes just to make a point of how to, right. you know, just how to, what good storytelling should be like. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those funny things where it's, it's always such a, it's such a delicate line. And, and, I, and I, I cannot say that they've never uh, <laughs> stepped over it. But like, for example, you know, when it comes to, 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 uh, to, to coming up on that line, um, Khan Supanusampone has a funny accent. And, yep. you know, you have to make certain choices about like, how to you know how to impl- how to deploy that that as like yeah. a funny as a as a joke as a joke vehicle that yeah. can you know, very easily turn turn sour. I I also I'm having trouble thinking of you know in the last twenty years or so a like typical um, animated like primetime adult cartoon that doesn't sort of get in that strange race area. Um, you know, the Simpsons and South Park and Family Guy, you know, like they've all kind of had characters that haven't aged super well in their like depiction of race. Totally. Um, and, and so, you know, it is, it is tricky in animation, I think, uh, where you can't just have people be the people. Um, sure. 
you know, there, there's some sort of gesture involved in cartoons and that, you know, that part and, you know, bigger voice, vocal choices, all of that sort of leads to this, this careful ground that, that animated shows end up stepping around a lot. Totally. And I mean, if this was, if this episode came out this year, I, you know, I would probably have expected them to actually have Japanese speakers do these roles, right? <laughs> it's clearly white people doing Japanese accents. Like that that part, you know, not so great necessarily. But it, it's yeah, not, it wasn't it's it wasn't really the custom. To, no, it's not at all. It, right. It was, it's it's not done in a it's not done in a way that makes you go ha 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 funny accents. It's just done to be like, yeah, they're Japanese and it that's not what's funny. The funny part isn't that the Japanese people are Japanese. The funny part is that the hills are so fish out of water about it, and they have no idea how to deal. Uh, Yeah, this is their lost in translation episode. (laughs) (laughs) I and and and, I mean the 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 blurb spoiled it, but right. So Hank Hank realizes he finds out that he has a half brother, a half Japanese half brother named Junichiro, and his voice you know it's it's fine it's it's not trying to do some caricature but what it is is like distinct he's got this growly gravelly kind <laughs> of voice that i really love it's uh, a great performance because at one point uh we're jumping ahead but i want to talk about it at one point they're you know cotton sitting down they're all sitting down with like these these lost family members right and Hank is trying to reach out to Junichiro and he's telling him all about how he works in propane. And he's like, where did you work? And he just goes, robots. <laughs> and like just growls it out. And I, I don't know. It's funny. And it's not because of the accent. It's like a distinct vocal choice that is funny on its own. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, so I think we should, we should start with the, the way the episode is set up. Um, and how, how we sort of get all the way over to how, how do we get the Hill family to Japan? Yeah, because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It takes sort of half the episode to get uh, to get over there. Um, but we start with Peggy and she uh, has I guess she's been writing musings for the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's been a development more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's trying to basically swindle a free <laughs> vacation out of the paper um, <laughs> by writing sort of. A really effortless, like slam dunk article that will then get them to travel somewhere on the paper's dime. And she's pushing for a trip to Hawaii. And this is great because she's pushing. What if it was not a a travel writer, but just the average family, the usual family and our take on an all expenses paid trip to Hawaii? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and the the woman who runs the paper is like, you honestly think that's the first time anybody's done that. And. (laughs) That's a really great <sighs> bit of observation because I think everybody has had that sort of thought about travel writing and like, well, <laughs> what about like my take on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I love that Peggy, like she she honestly thought it was going to work. And so she's so like put off when she has to come back and and, and tell Bravo. Hank about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So apparently us enjoying ourselves in Hawaii is not enough of an angle. But I do think I can get a ticket to Jamaica to explore the world of Rastafarian gangs. <laughs> which which oh, does man. not sound uh, safe. Um, no. Probably. No. Um, but Hank has another place that he wants to go for his summer vacation. America and the state, Texas, and the town, Denton. <laughs> 
Hank's idea of a vacation is going to Denton, Texas. I love it. I know what those I know what their police did to that cyclist, but I still think it's a good town. <laughs> uh, and and uh yeah, so this is it's a Memorial Day. They're kind of having a cookout and and Hank's father's over, Cotton. And uh Dale's really excited because it's the one day the liberal media has to congratulate the, the troops. <laughs> <laughs> and they start talking about VJ Day on TV and Cotton uh, starts having all these uh, feelings like like put on moving on towards flashback style. He is feeling serious guilt about you know the fifty Japanese people that he killed it, back in the war. 50. It's not fifty. It's not fifty. It's fifty men. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's fifty men. And <laughs> and he's feeling bad about it. And I okay. So this is this is my favorite thing about Cotton, and I only remembered it while watching this episode. It was something that I had always thought when I was when I, back when I was actually watching this show on TV. Cotton actually respects Bobby, and I love it. They they <laughs> yeah, have they a really look cool alike. dynamic. They do, but I love their dynamic because Cotton has trouble talking to Hank, but like him and Bobby, like they have a cool rapport. Like whenever they get alone together, like they're always pretty chill. And uh, and Bobby gets him to talk about it a little bit. And, and he actually tells Bobby that about about feeling guilty. And that's how we as, as the audience find out. Yeah. Uh, although uh, Cotton's wife also, um, <laughs> I can't remember her name. Uh, it's whoever he remarried after Hank's mom. Her name's Dee Dee. Dee Dee. Okay. I just looked it up. It's Dee Dee. Um, but so so she she's worried about Cotton because Cotton's been sort of feeling this way lately because um, normally he's very proud about the fitty men that he's killed. And so it's <laughs> it's very strange that he's feeling this sense of guilt. And she tells Hank to go out and have a uh, what is it? Have some okay. guy time, but nothing yeah. gay, though. <laughs> the fact that you have to say a son and his own dad to spend time together like it's so deeply toxic you, you that just, you've, got, you've got to say no homo with it you gotta say no homo with spending time with your own father it's like oh god it's a perfect joke honestly <laughs> it's really good uh so the the idea that him that Hank and the and the guys come up with is that uh, apparently John Redcorn has like a steam room, uh, but it's a sweat lodge. Well, you've got you kind of done the joke. It's, it's kind of it's one of the fun things that they play with again when I talk about kind of like three dimensionality, where John Redcorn, you know, is he's he's kind of a quack, like a shitty a shitty faith healer. Um, mm-hmm. He's got like crystals and and dream catchers and stuff and. Uh, and it's it's never quite clear how much he's just selling and how much he you know is is kind of in in touch with his Native American background, mm-hmm. right? Right. And they go they go and they try and be like, hey, you got a steam room, right? And he gets mad and he says it's not a steam room, it's a sweat lodge. And he it's talks a, about you know how it's, it's important a, it's to a, his it's, people. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a sacred. <laughs> Are you talking about the hut by the portageons with the, <laughs> the, the garbage cans? Twenty dollars. <laughs> $20 yeah. each. <laughs> <coughs> and so they kind of, they go into the sweat lodge and they all kind of have like a little mini vision. Uh, one where Bill, Bill rides a motorcycle up a fork and straight into a pie and then he's immediately naked turns also. to, yeah, he's naked and turns to Dale and he goes, Dale, I know how I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and they all see some yeah. stuff. And then, D- yeah, Dale has sex with a praying mantis and then cuts <laughs> off his head. I wonder what um, that means. <laughs> uh, Hank has a very sad vision, um, 
where oh. he envisions Cotton actually telling him the sweat lodge was a good idea and then <laughs> shakes his hand and says he's a good son. And, and then he's uh, switching to was, propane. Yeah, he switched to propane. So that was pure fantasy. Um, yeah. And then that's when Cotton really kind of loses his gourd and, uh, <laughs> you know, gets these visions again of these dead fitty men that he killed and runs out. And um, it's clear something has to be done. Yeah. And so Bobby finds out about uh, about what's going on with Cotton. And then Bobby pitches this story to Peggy for her, her column, you know, about this guy going back to Japan to find this widow that he, you know, he killed the, the husband and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because there's but- a photo in Cotton's wallet uh, of this Japanese woman. And, you know, that's uh, sort of mm-hmm. how the questioning gets started. So what I thought was cool was a good creative choice was to show these Japanese soldiers kind of zombified. So they didn't have to do to like do any, you know, overly depicting anything, any yeah. physical features uh-huh. to sell it. Uh huh. Yep. No, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Cause he, yeah, he's seeing all these dead soldiers everywhere. And, and I, I liked, I liked that angle and it, it allows it allows cotton to kind of be racist while we don't actually have to look at something uncomfortably. Somebody racist. doesn't have to draw anything racistly. <laughs> we don't have right. to have another uh, like Yamamura from Cyber Six scenario. Oh um, god! <laughs> and I Yashimoto. I, I, Yashimoto. Yeah, I thought it was Yamamura. Where's that from? Where is Yamamura from? I mean, it's just another Japanese name. Um, they all sound the same to you, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this podcast this. This podcast also comes right up to the line of racism, but we don't cross it. We don't do it. Uh, now, for the next the next part, it's it really funny to me because Peggy hears Bobby tell her, like, you should use this for your story. And she says, wow, <laughs> there's really no story in that at all. <laughs> and she thinks it's a terrible idea. But when she, when she goes back to the newspaper, she's pitching other ideas and she, and they hate them and they hate them. And then finally, as a last ditch effort, she pulls out the widow and the wallet. And of course they go for it because it's an incredible story. <laughs> so they're going, so the Hills are going to Japan. So it's Cotton and Bobby and Peggy and Hank. Yeah, it's probably my my maybe favorite or second favorite line in the whole episode is that Peggy says, I got four coach seats. I could have gotten five, but what are we going to do? Take Luann? <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> but no, they, so- they have Luann stay so that she can watch after Lady Bird, which uh, yes. that's our C plot. Mm hmm. Uh, well, yeah. it's kind of our C. There's like a C and a D plot in this episode. We have several. Yeah, we have whatever, several whatever, everything going on in the alley while, while they're mm-hmm. gone is kind of related. Yeah, because Dale and Bill are trying to protect they're, they're, the they're, Hill home. Yeah, they're charged with taking in the newspaper. Yeah, because Hank says that if if they'll, people will try to break into a house if they think they have enough money to afford a newspaper subscription. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, And I like that there's kind of like a little bit of a peeling back kind of how 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 people interface with how uptight Hank is. Because Dale, I mean, he jokes because I think it, it's, it's like a joke and not a joke where he's like, maybe we should put 10 miles on your odometer too. So the robber, because I think with how paranoid Hank's being, that is not an, that absurd of a suggestion, even no, if he's no. trying to milk his way into just driving Hank's truck. Yeah. <laughs> but then they take it real seriously, their job. And, and yeah. Dale really wants to go in and turn the lights on, for instance. He's like, I want to give it that lived in look. But all the doors are locked, and so he breaks a window, and him and Bill go inside the house, and and then they start wearing Hank and Peggy's clothes to look like they're home. 
Oh, it's just, it's so good. It's so fucking good. I love, yeah. I love that side plot. And it's meanwhile, amazing. meanwhile, Luann uh, sees Lady Bird asleep and think that thinks that Lady Bird has died. Um, and you know, gets another, gets a junkyard dog to come in and take <laughs> over, take over as, as Lady Bird. And then Lady Bird wakes up and now she's trying to deal with two dogs. Cause she can't tell the difference. She doesn't no. know which one's Lady Bird now. The, the one line in, that I think ties right in this episode for my favorite is uh, when Hank, Hank has given her instructions on how to take care of Ladybird. <laughs> they're like funny. they're like written from the perspective of Ladybird. <laughs> and at the end, it says, I'll try to outsmart you and get three cups of kibble. But I know you're too smart for that. And Luann says, I don't know. I mean, she did write this letter and everything. And Hank goes, trips off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Luann is such a precious, wonderful treasure. <laughs> so uh, that's that's most of the side plots back at home, uh, and the the everything of course kicks off. They they go on the plane, and on their way in, of you know, the, there's a bunch of uh, Japanese people working for the airline, and Cotton keeps seeing them as these zombie soldiers and is like really close to a freak out and they're, they're spending a lot of time trying to keep him calm down um and especially on the plane too uh, yeah. there's a couple of great they, little scenes on the plane um the, f- the first one was the the flight attendant checks that checks that that hank knows he's sitting in the uh in the emergency exit is your son under 13 he has to be 13 or older to sit in an emergency role he is 13 ah to be honest, he's a great kid, but in an emergency, uh, I don't know. Dad! I'm sorry, Bobby. What can I say? He's right. <laughs> they, they moved Bobby. But it was, it, that, that plays second fiddle to my, to the other emergency scene that we get with, with Hank was, I, I, you know, I, I, I got a, I got a, an audible guffaw both times I watched this episode. Where, <laughs> so now Hank is sitting next to the guy who, who's been switched into, into Bobby's seat. And and the and the man is drinking a beer. Sir, I love beer too, but we're on duty. And the guy looks at him and takes another sip, and then just Hank, Hank's response is, "You're out of here." <laughs> <laughs> and immediately rings the uh, the help button. Yeah, yeah. The idea oh. that he would take his his sacred charge to be ever vigilant in front of the emergency seat uh, is absolutely a Hank Hill thing. That's wonderful. When the, when they land, there's like a news crew there to meet Cotton because apparently they found out about what's going on and he is freaking out. As we find out later, he doesn't want the cameras around because he doesn't want people to know that, you know, he actually slept with this woman and it wasn't that he killed her husband or whatever. It's that she was just he was having a fling with her. And so he gets really freaked out about the the, the camera crews and he goes back onto the plane and Hank has to put him in a duffel bag to smuggle <laughs> him past the cameras uh, I I love it. I love that because we also we also learn if we didn't already know we learn in this episode that Cotton's shins were were lost during the war and he had his feet surgically attached to his knees. Just <laughs> <laughs> why he's so short <laughs> and waddles. Yeah, oh, it's great. Then why he fits in a duffel bag? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my pocket um, dad. So so you know. They they get to their hotel room. Um, they haven't figured out that there's an extra section. They're just in the common area because they haven't figured out sliding doors. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and 
when Cotton is suddenly all dressed up and has flowers and perfume, they catch on and they finally get it out of him that he's he's there for a booty call, basically, um, to to see this woman that he he loved and and didn't you know isn't apologizing for for murder. Yeah, uh, Hank is Hank is none too pleased about this all just sort of being about booty, uh, and he's like. He was almost gonna shake his dad's hand, like they had a cute little bonding I was moment. Shake your hand, and uh, yeah, he's like, "Good lord, you slept with her, didn't you?" A lot. <laughs> and, uh, you, you didn't even many... kill her. I, I bet you didn't even kill her husband. <laughs> <laughs> how many women have you slept with? Five, <laughs> six, two hundred and seventy-three. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I, I this whole this whole angle is really interesting to me uh, from a story perspective because usually, I mean, it does go to this place, but I like that Cotton is not being he didn't have to be dragged here. That I think that would have been the easy way to write this story. Like the mm-hmm. you know there's something that's going to force Cotton and he's like against it from the start and a whole time he doesn't want to be there and then he has to get convinced to be okay with it. But he comes of his own volition because he misses this woman. And he feels guilt about what he's done. And right. I like that we start there and then some family stuff gets him to get mad again. I, I just think it's a really it's a much more interesting like arc because when sure. he shows up, they go they go to meet this woman whose name is Michiko. Um, they're going to meet her and they go to they go to her apartment and they're standing outside. And Hank has kind of relented here because uh, because Cotton is being really cute about it. He wanted to bring pictures of his kids. He wanted to show her what he's done with his life. And so they actually do have this handshake. They have a really cute moment. Um, and, and I don't think we would have been able to have that kind of thing. If that story had been written a little differently, I, I no. think it afforded a lot of good opportunities. Yeah. Um, now when they first go though, the, that first night, um, Mijigo not there and Junichiro is there. And that is when everybody discovers that who is Cotton clearly his son. Clearly, it looks exactly like Hank. It looks exactly <laughs> like Hank with different hair, basically. Yeah, and they uh, see each other, and they both go, "Whoa!" Genichiro is just such a fun character. Yeah, <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, and we talked to him a bit already. You know, he does he does robots, um, and has a lot of resentment for the Hill family, and he's not exactly excited to. You know, he's heard about Cotton uh, Mm -hmm. and he's, you know, he's not exactly delighted about it. Um, And so I think the next day they have another meeting and we, you know, finally see Michiko. Yeah. And they're uh, uh, I don't want to I don't want to go over my 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 favorite moment here where uh, I mean, not everything could be my favorite, but this episode was so much fun Uh, that night. Hank is Hank is so thrilled to find out that he has yes. a brother. Like he has uh-huh. a brother. He's excited. And he's laying in bed with Peggy and he's going, The Hill Brothers. Watch out for those Hill Brothers. Did you see what those Hill Brothers were up to the other day? <laughs> he's trying it out. It's really sweet. And you think yeah. about that how different Hank would have been if he'd grown up with a sibling. Um yeah. probably how much more open he would have been. Uh you know, it really it shows like this this missing part of him when you mm-hmm. see how much he lights up that idea of the Hill Brothers. <laughs> pan over to Bobby, who is draped over the desk trying to sleep. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a we get another you know we get a nice insight into Hank, but we get a nice insight into Peggy too because she says she warns him that her his new half brother might fall in love with her because oh, that's of her e- exotic unbound feet. <laughs> oh, oh God, God, Peggy. Oh, it's so. <laughs> oh, there's nothing to say about that. There's nothing to say about that, Peggy. <laughs> uh, this this is also the evening where we uh, we get the B plot, I guess. Yes. What I would call the B plot of this episode, because Bobby can't sleep. He's excited about this new family that he's learned about. And he finds a dance, dance, revolution girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've all been there. We've yeah. all had, uh, you know, we've all we've all had love at the with the with the steps. You know, <laughs> you want to try that one again? I don't. No, <laughs> I, I mean every word I've said. Uh, you know, you go to the well, arcade love and you, with our steps. You know, you let the the rhythm get you, and you're a little butterfly, and you know you're you're stepping, and then there's a, a cutie who's stepping with you. Yeah, you know, We've sometimes all been it's there. at the Seattle just, Fun you, Forest, and you put a quarter, a put quarters cutie. next to each other on the. Oh, yeah, this is this is part love. of the movie. This is this is part of the movie where we see Austin's lost love, uh, and how he never <laughs> recovered. Um, yeah. Okay, so this big dinner that they have, they go, they go, and they meet with the family. Uh, we actually see Michiko for the first time. Uh, it's a little awkward, and we meet we meet Michiko's new husband, whose name is Wataru. Um, he's a mean. He's a mean old man. He just looks kind of gross. Uh, but <laughs> but we get the we get the sense that Michiko didn't really have a lot of husband options because she was raising a child out of wedlock. Yeah, and she has a great line. This arrangement afforded me many opportunities for difficulty. <laughs> uh, but at this dinner you know cotton asks for forgiveness and michiko looks like she's gonna give it to him but junichiro is not having it and he is he just goes on this whole thing about how you're not my dad i'm not a hill that being a hill is shameful and uh and cotton goes completely nutso he gets he, he freaks out he kicks a bunch of stuff. He runs away, and they totally lose track of him. Like, like he becomes a missing person. He goes, he goes rampage to the streets of Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have a bit of like a, as much as Cotton can. It's kind do. of a King Kong sort of Corey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's as out, he like, leaps, he leaps through the uh, through the paper wall. Of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's he, the, he the world's about, like, smallest King Kong. <laughs> he's gonna go like set fire to the whole country he like kisses a kisses he spits on a picture of the uh of the emperor and makes a woman faint uh <laughs> yeah he's off he's off making all sorts of ruckus uh and it forces right. hank and Janichiro to kind of team up to go find him yeah yeah as much you know much to Janichiro's chagrin you know he doesn't but then it would look really bad because he's still like it or not still kind of connected to cotton and so uh, this will bring you great shame i tell you what you know what happens here is a really nice part of the episode where hank and junichiro bond and and sort of slowly you know thaw out and have this develop this connection which is nice yeah Mm -hmm. uh there's a really cool thing because you know the 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 thing that happens in King of the Hill all the time, like we open episodes or just have little parts coming back from commercial breaks where the the four main adult men are standing out by the fence going, yep, 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 
and Hank and Janichiro get a couple Sapporos out of a vending machine <laughs> and crack into it. And Hank goes, yep. And Janichiro goes, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so they have their own like little Japanese version of the yep scene. Uh, they have one of my one of my favorite little dialogues in all of King of the Hill is. <laughs> so what is it you like about robots? There was not a time that I was not fascinated by robots. Robots are clean, efficient, reliable. Huh, that sounds like propane. I wonder if they ever made a robot that runs on propane. No. But they could. <laughs> <laughs> and and thus begins a beautiful friendship. They also bond about finding out that they, they, they share enough DNA that they both have narrow urethras. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hank, Hank's going to email him some stretches he can do. I'm yeah. also limited in that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll narrow your urethra. Oh man. Uh, uh meanwhile, meanwhile Peggy is off to, to to do this great sightseeing trip of Tokyo and all of the places she wants to go. Uh she's excited to see I believe the Tofu Museum and also Chinatown. Yeah. Uh, and at she one point the Disney store. She wants to go to the Disney store. <laughs> It's so good. That's so funny. That's oh, so funny. Peggy, a, come on, Peggy. What a terrible terrorist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they they find Cotton, but he he gets a he gets on a train as they just catch up to him. Um, and in the in the process, Hank has to kind of teach Junichiro how to be assertive, or at least to how to tell people that he's going to kick their ass. Uh, <laughs> Which is a kind of a fun sequence because like they get mired in like Japanese sort of bureaucracy, like getting sent from one person. Yeah, to they're another at a train to... station and there's too many people. And in order yeah, to get and through so... them, you kind of have to be an asshole. Yeah, and you know, and and Junichiro kind of like he he's resistant to it, but he definitely he sees how useful it is once he tries it. And at one point, he says like, "You would be proud of me. I was abrupt with an elderly woman." <laughs> yeah, so funny. <laughs> So, I mean, basically, you know, the they find out that Cotton, his actual plan is to go up to this ceremony with the emperor and spit in his face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, they eventually get, they he gets on a bullet train, they get on a bullet train. Hank has a great line where he says, can't this thing go any faster than, oh, and it's actually going <laughs> like 300 miles an hour. Like, oh, this wow. was the one kind of like cartoonish uh, leap of logic that I didn't love only because it would have been so easy to to write in earlier uh, about the fact that they there just happens to be some grand ceremony for for World War Two vets on the weekend that the, that the hills yeah. are there. They could have they could have yeah. been going for that the whole time. And it would have sure. made perfect. It made equally perfect sense. And Cotton wants to sneak off to go meet Michiko. You know, it would have yep. nothing would have been changed except I wouldn't have had to swallow a kind of goofy pill. Totally. Well, the the goofier part about it to me also is the um this weird ceremony where the emperor is just there on stage and everybody's like getting their medals and you know Cotton's there but but Hank and Junichiro run up to the stage and are just like full volume talking to him and they're having <laughs> this full conversation while the emperor of Japan is about a <laughs> yeah. foot away. I know. And it like isn't part of this conversation and it's totally fine that they're just like having a chat at the front of the stage while, you know, the leader of 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 this entire country is like doing something. Yeah. Um that's that that was the part for me that that struck a little a little weird. No, that was that was sloppy, but you know, you have that's that's kind of something you have to kind of just 
it happens, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it's cartoon sort of staging logistics. There, yeah. You know, there's, there's not really, you have to assume that it's just enough of a quiet conversation that everybody can't hear it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's yep. a little, it's a little lazy. Yeah. But they get up there and uh, Cotton has got a mouthful of loogie and he won't <laughs> even speak because he can't speak around the loogie. He's prepped for the emperor. <laughs> Uh, and Hank and Jinichiro get there and they kind of, you know, they're like telling him not to do it. They say like, look, you know, essentially like, hey, look, we've bonded. I don't feel the same way about, you know, the hill name. I'm a hill. I'm your son. And Cotton sees it and is like, OK. And he swallows the loogie and he accepts the medal and he introduces his sons, Hank and Jinichiro. And it's the first time he's gotten Jinichiro's name right. And he introduces him to the emperor. And it's a really cute moment. Yeah, because um, all the time up to that, he's been like, e, my son, Junkie Joe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am not Junkie Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah. That's most Cot- of it. Cotton gets a goodbye with Michiko. They kind of like tear the photo in half and he gets to keep the Michiko half and she keeps the cotton half. Um, they find out that they spent their whole time in the tiny hotel room sitting room and, and Junichiro, you know, opens the sliding door and there's this huge suite that they never (laughs) used and like a rotting fruit amenity sitting on the table, which I thought was a nice touch as a person Mm -hmm. who deals with hotels all the time. That was a nice touch. Uh, (laughs) Uh, and Bobby gets a a final, a final goodbye with his DDR girlfriend. Yeah, I Um, actually, I like this This is another good Cotton and Bobby moment because, uh, you know, Cotton kind of earlier, he found out that Bobby would met somebody and he's like, good for you. Um, and Bobby says he didn't get to, he didn't even get to say goodbye and Cotton demands they stop the car. And, uh, and Hank asks, Hank's like, why are we stopping? And he says, you wouldn't understand, boy. It's about love. And we see <laughs> Peggy's face behind him just sour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah. But then, then Bobby dances our, our way into the credits with this, with the girl. Uh, yeah. Super cute. Super cute. Yeah. Good episode. Mm-hmm. Very good. Good two-parter. Like it's, they they come close to the racism thing, and I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a white guy. I'm not qualified to say what's racist against Japanese people, but I do think that they that nothing nothing felt mean spirited, and uh, you know, excusing a few of the things that are maybe a product of the early two thousands. Kind yeah, of, yeah, it felt like they didn't want to do a lot of research. <laughs> um, I can vouch for the fact that all the Japanese spoken is legit. Okay. Um, well, that's good. Even if it wasn't pronounced perfectly, it was all it yeah. was all legit. You know, it's farther than the Simpsons went. Oh, you're talking about Mr. Sparkle? Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> about Mr. Sparkle. That's a that's a real hit or miss of racist things. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I know you guys don't care what I think, but I think I think that we should hear from a sponsor. Yeah, let's cut to an ad. Let's make some money. Rory, can you tell us about Sega Games Tony? there's a guy who hangs out at my local mall (laughs) when he he's got he's got he's got a he's got a long he's got a he's got a large oversized vest on and in bedazzled fiery letters just says the name sega games tony and he skateboards up and down the, the he skateboards up and down the the halls of the mall. Well, I don't know the aisles. This too big to be called aisles, right? Yeah. The lane. What is? How do you get from part? From, what is the? What is the transway of the mall? The tunnel. 
It's not imp- the point. Is Sega Games Tony is all Sega Games all Tony about is it. right. Sega Games Tony is riding around on his skateboard, and he's he does this very funny thing where he's got his hair slicked back and and he's dyed it blue. Ooh. Because he's because Sega Games Tony <laughs> Sega Games Tony what he's doing is he's riding the skateboard, and he's just shouting Sega at people and slapping them on the <laughs> butt. <laughs> like from the old ads, like Sega. <laughs> yeah, he gets right in their face, Sega. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what key. if I what if I want to buy Shenmue from him? Well, he just throws he just throws he just throws copies of Shenmue at you until you take him the hint. <laughs> Damn, Tony! He just barks Sega in your face and slaps you on your bottom. Taking him, Tony's no he's he is he's a he's a he's a real piece of work. I tell you what. So I guess the ad is like for his Patreon or something. Look, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I my my guess is that Sega Games Tony has paid us as some elaborate prank to get to, to get me to come back to the mall. We don't, you know, we don't choose where the money comes in. We just it just shows up in our bank account, and we have to do the ad, you know. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes sometimes it's a little obtuse. You think, well, how is this a functioning business? Well, luckily for them, our ads cost about nine dollars, so it's it's a low low cost of entry for them to just prank us. Yeah. Also, if Sega Games Tony doesn't like this ad, he'll find you. <laughs> he'll come get you <laughs> on his skateboard. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're skipping ahead to season nine, episode eight. Of King of the Hill, we're gonna be watching. We're here. We're here in the and you know we're pushing towards the end of our movie, but we're sitting back. We're sitting back in our chair watching a little bit of Mutual of Omaboah. Wait, is this where <laughs> we're wearing bad old age makeup and we're sort of looking back now? <laughs> yeah, on our careers. Yeah, yeah and- the, the time the 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 card on the screen came up and it said like the year twenty fifty. Uh, you know, it's like we're looking ahead to what we think our our end looks like. Mm-hmm. The big um, podcast awards are happening, and we're getting a lifetime <laughs> lifetime achievement award. Oh, I I heard podcast wars. Oh yeah, the big the, 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 the big podcast, podcast wars, wars of twenty fifty. <laughs> uh, so this Emperor episode, Rogan, yeah. <laughs> this episode here's 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 how it goes. Here's the nops for you guys. It goes when Hank forgets to mail his insurance payment. Hank and Bobby must protect themselves from any accidents until their insurance can be reactivated in 36 hours. Meanwhile, Dale decides to raise bees. <laughs> Bill and Boomhauer discover the joys of deep frying, and Peggy and Luann get stuck at a rest stop when Hank asks them not to drive uninsured. So this is sort of our Saturday morning Tuesdays. Uh, we had to do an episode about, if there's an episode about bees, we gotta do it. We gotta get I, bees I in there. You, you gotta get the bees in there. I was tickled. There. I was tickled the moment the moment we got bees. I, and it's so fast. It's so fast in this episode. We go from zero to bees. And Dale shows up with a beard made of bees. And we are in the money, people. <laughs> We're in the honey. We're in the honey. Oh my god. I love bees so much. Put bees in everything. Hey cartoons, put bees everywhere. Um, um, I don't know. I'm a little sensitive to bees right now because I was stung by a bee and I'm in a finger splint because of a bee sting right now because oh, I got stung child. on the ligament. I'm sorry. 
tell that to my doctors who were confused and concerned for me. Yeah, they were so. confused at how, you know, like wet t- tissue paper your bones were. Yeah, they said they'd never seen anybody so weak. Um, yeah. And they folded me into a paper airplane and threw me. <laughs> Yeah, well, now Austin's got mallet finger, and he's got his finger <laughs> in a do. sling because of I a do bee have sting. Bee onset mallet finger. <laughs> and, uh, I'll be okay. I'll be listeners. If you turn up the volume all the way, you will. We, you actually will to hear Austin wheezing into the microphone. Hundred <laughs> percent true. Hundred percent true. His heavy, unhealthy breathing. This is ripped from today's headlines. <laughs> so okay. So first of all, there's a lot of side plots in this one, which I like. There's not a lot to talk about in this episode, aside from the fact that bees are delightful and everything's good in here. Uh, but Dale decides to raise bees because he thinks honey's going to make him a lot of money. And uh, somehow <laughs> that turns him into like a bee sting faith healer. We'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> but I think I think the the my favorite one, because it's so simple, is just that Bill... And Boomhauer discover the joys of deep frying absolutely everything. And they spend the whole episode on their porch just trying new <laughs> foods to deep fry. And I I love I love how just beautiful and simplistic that is. Uh, yeah, it's a great C-E-E plot. I mean, <laughs> this episode was kind of nuts because so much happens, actually. Like, beat for beat, there is a lot going on in this episode because mm-hmm. it's basically split into these sort of four equal slices of of plot, of, of A plot, B plot, C plot, D plot. And Ooh, it's just ping-ponging. Letters. It's just ping-ponging back and forth. And like, okay, this is, uh, you know, this is the stuff from, from Dale and this is the stuff from Bill and Boomhauer and this is Peggy and Luann and this is Hank and Bobby. And it's like, yeah, so it much It just kind of cycles on. through it. Yeah. yeah. Bobby breaks the garage door trying to roll under it playing Star Wars with Joseph. Yeah, they're playing Clone Wars together. <laughs> and it's so it's so it's so cute. Uh but I love that Bobby Bobby has no physical ability whatsoever and he tries to roll under the garage door but he starts about 20 feet away and just keeps <laughs> trying to roll and roll and roll and roll. He does yeah. not make it in time. No. And and that sets off the the insurance conversation because Hank is, you know, he's apparently got his garage door or his home or whatever insured. And because it's an, as an accident, he's going to fire and file an insurance claim. Uh, and Bobby's apparently never heard of insurance before. And he's really excited about just getting new things when other stuff. <laughs> he's breaks. never heard of insurance fraud either. <laughs> no, because that's what he wants to do. He's very and, excited about the concept of, of getting free shit. And I love Hank's like Hank's instant, like teachable moment. He says, uh, Insurance is a safety net woven from the trust between the policyholder and the guarantor. <laughs> and I, I love, I love, it's like he had that in the bag, you know, like he was yeah. ready to say that. It's such and a totally Bobby's yeah. punishment for breaking the, breaking the, the garage door and then subsequently wanting to commit insurance fraud is that now, <laughs> is that now Bobby has to handle the insurance claim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great uh, punishment. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. And, and uh, Hank's insurance man, Mitch, Hank says, he, he, Bobby has to be ready. He's like, don't waste Mitch's time. He'll hang up on you. 
<laughs> yeah, he makes he makes Bobby learn their whole policy inside and out, and then he quizzes him on the policy before he even lets him take the phone. Oh, it's so funny when <laughs> then he has him call, and he's like, "If they ask, just say this call is being <laughs> monitored for quality assurance because Hank is on the phone with them." Yeah. <laughs> but here the the rub the rub is uh and this could have been the whole episode like this 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 little twist could have been the whole episode and hank goes on a rampage about their uh their call center being outsourced to bangalore oh yeah you know but they don't that's not actually the problem in the episode yeah, but it's, it's just not kind even of a something they solve yeah no He's like, you know, he, he's asking for Mitch and they're totally avoiding. They're like, uh, Mitch is in the loo. Uh, bathroom, bathroom. Yeah, it's a uh, weird and- little cultural artifact that I for- kind of had forgotten about. This weird short period in history where the call centers were pretending they were not outsourced. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then they like they finally, you know, he forces the issue. He tries to talk to a manager, he blah, 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 blah. Uh, they tell him they're in Bangalore and... That his also that his account is uh, is in. Oh, my God. I almost said in arrears. Is that even the right <laughs> phrase to use? Whatever you want to say. They, they haven't paid their bill. And Hank is like, that's ridiculous. But when he looks in his checkbook, he totally did not pay their last bill. And he freaks out. He, um, he written the check and he hadn't torn it off the check pad, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's the worst it's the nightmare scenario for him <laughs> they're uninsured and that so that's everything like that's that's kind of crazy it's like it's their auto insurance it's their home insurance it's their like health insurance yeah it's i don't i don't i can't even imagine in 2019 paying all insurance through a single oh my god one check being all <laughs> forms of insurance but imagine uh, that yeah, that is that is Hank's case now. And so he calls Peggy immediately, who is off on a road trip with Luann. What were they what were they out doing? Something and they're at a rest stop and he tells them, Do not drive, do not drive home, stay where you are until we're insured. <laughs> and so we get our, our beep our, our D plot where uh Peggy and Luann have to have to survive on <laughs> live off the land at this rest stop because <laughs> they can't drive anywhere without insurance. And Peggy doesn't have any bills smaller than a $20 bill, so they can't use the vending machine. So they have to like ram the thing with their shoulders to get like chips to fall loose so that they can <laughs> have food to eat. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. And it's funny do, that you mentioned that could have been the king of the, or the, um, the Hank plot could have been the whole thing of them dealing with, you know, the outsourced call. Uh, Luann and Peggy just being trapped at a rest stop for 36 hours could have been an episode. Yeah, yeah it totally. totally could have. It could have been like a, a real like bottle episode where they had a, you know, some bonding. But instead, it's just used as funny. Like we get to just watch <laughs> them cutaway, Yeah, cutaway yeah. to them sort of like <laughs> descending into Lord of the Flies at this yeah. rest stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, and so Bobby, Bobby is slowly taught to fear the world by hank in this episode because hank is is i mean i it's funny maybe when i if i'd watched this episode as a teen i would have been more with uh you know i would have thought hank was ridiculous as a 30 year old adult i kind of feel for hank if something (laughs) bad happens like he has no like without insurance he he loses everything like their house burns down he can't replace it he doesn't have the money like that that is terrifying on some level 
You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you know, I started paying for insurance. I don't have a job, but I'm paying my own plan of insurance. And then I got stung by this bee and had to go to the doctor. <laughs> and thank God I was paying for insurance uh, uh, so that I could go to the doctor and put get my get my finger in a splint from this nasty. Oh, is this nasty the part? Thing. Is this the part of the documentary where you're in the hospital and we come visit you? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we can't we can't touch you because of your papery bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want right. to brag, Austin, but uh, you know, here in Taiwan, I uh, I uh, don't have that problem. Oh yeah, they've got well, national I mean, health but insurance. But you you've never gotten hurt though, right? No, I've, no, nothing bad has ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> never cashed in on that great insurance. He never had any bone whoopsies. No. Ah, that's what the doctors call, keep, keep trying to call it. <laughs> you guys, I'm really trying to, I'm really trying to, try to, try to take this seriously, you guys. Okay. Oh, so Taiwan has national health care, but the the only drawback is that they they, they have goofy names. Bef- yeah, before they talk like goo, <laughs> uh, before you cut me open, I'm really gonna have to insist you quit calling it a whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reason that Bill and Boomhauer get into the deep frying is because they're at this farmer's market along with Dale, where he tries to sell his bee honey uh, for $150. <laughs> He's going for that bougie like farmer's market money, and he thinks he can mark it up to ridiculous amounts and some rich person will buy. It's kind of like uh, Bill's like $900 garage sale where it just takes one. Right. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And in this case, it's a tiny, tiny bit of honey. It's like, you know. It's like an ounce. An eight- yeah, it's like an ounce of honey, and he's ch- charging 150 bucks. And then these these bushy oh ladies God. come up, and they've <laughs> over. They're talking about how they've heard rumors that bee venom uh, can actually like cure all of their ailments. And yeah, they, so they walk by, and the very first thing they say, like we see these two women, and the very first thing is, "Look, Allison, bees." <laughs> such a, just, so that's a good white lady name. To me. Yeah. Look, Allison, bees. <laughs> I heard Jenna Elfman on Axis Hollywood talking about how you can cure anything with the venom from bee stings. Bee stings? Yeah, bee stings. My nutritionist says it stimulates your body's natural healing response. A friend of mine used it during childbirth instead of an epidural. And they're totally willing to pay $100, and they don't even want the honey. They just want to get stung by some bees. Right. They say, how many bee stings can I get for $150? And Dale just <laughs> lights up. I don't 12. That's a good deal. Wow, that's a good deal. And now he's in the money. He's in a new business. <laughs> yeah, he becomes, he, he's uh, he's a real, like, uh Oh, I'm it's not a real make Pirelli's miracle elixir situation. Uh, yeah, good, good for good for you, Austin. You made the reference I wasn't going to do. If I had brought musical <laughs> theater into this room, Rory would have torn me a new wizard, a new warlock's eye. <laughs> I, uh, but I didn't do it, and it was you. So so there we go. But well, I thought okay. about it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, um, I'll jump on that. He gets Joseph. He gets Joseph into it too. Joseph's yeah. like having to lie in front of groups of people. <laughs> like, yeah, I used to have headaches, but now I don't. <laughs> now they get stung by bees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking and... of, they we cut back to Hank, uh, Hank and Bobby, who are who are, you know, baby proofing the house to the nth degree, mm-hmm. and and there's a there's a knock on the door. <laughs> Bobby goes to answer it, and is a it's a it's a delivery man with a box of bees, <laughs> live oh. bees. Danger, hey, danger. Dale's not home, so I want to. I just was gonna put this somewhere. 
Can I leave it with Dad? you? Dad! <laughs> Situation! <laughs> Dale comes by to check on Bill and Boomhauer, and he trips on a ham <laughs> in the process. <laughs> That's just a big whole hawk of ham on the, on the driveway. Yeah, and he trips, and he does a nasty, some sort of nasty thing to his arm. <laughs> and, hold on, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah, he sort of, he sort of he's swallowed He's high in his own supply. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's going to go treat himself with bee stings, uh, and he has completely forgotten about his bee allergy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he gets mad that, that they don't work and that he's going into anaphylaxis, and he kicks over the, the fish tank full of bees, and now he's he's being chased by a huge angry cloud of bees. Um, <sighs> and at, in the sa- at the same time, Bill and Boomhauer uh, start... Things start to catch on fire because the, their process is incredibly unsafe uh, <laughs> for deep frying everything in their in their driveway. And so and they think you maybe have... like turning the heat up will make it taste better. So they just crank it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you've got this juxtaposition here of the Hank and Bobby subplot of them being terrified and, and ready, you know, terrified of fire and dangers. And and then across the street, you have a cloud of bees and you have. <laughs> Everything a catching a grease fire um, <laughs> that is spreading to their front yard. And, uh, you know, they have to just actually Hank sees that he's made Bobby too stressed out to do anything. Oh, it's kind of it's kind of both things. Right. He's also kind of realizing again that he these guys aren't just his friends. He's, they're kind of his charges that, you yeah. know, without his constant presence and nagging that they they're going to die. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Because yeah, H- Hank realizes this because uh, because Dale, being chased by bees, comes up and tries to get Bobby to let him into the house, and Bobby doesn't even want to fucking open the door at this point for you know being scared of the outside world, and so he just shuts the <laughs> curtains and turns up the music so that he can't hear Dale screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and Hank's like, "What are you doing? He's our friend. <laughs> Why didn't you call one <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. it's it's so good. And actually the the resolution of this is is kind of incredible to me because Hank Hank makes a total 180 on this and he turns it into a teachable moment because he walks out with Bobby. He's like, it's gonna be okay. There's nothing out there we can't handle. And in a very like demonstrably calm manner, he starts like having Bobby like put sand or like uh potting soil on the fire to stop it from being dangerous, you know, like He's he's you can tell he's consciously not being scared of things just to to teach Bobby that he doesn't have to be. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. It It really caught me by surprise (laughs) and that that calmness really um, Mm -hmm. really makes it really makes the moment Um, because they could have done an extra zany, you know, wild thing. And oh, boy, we'll never do that again. We've learned our lesson. But but Hank really going out of his way to demonstrate that calmness is like awesome. Yeah. Like these are these are just it's just a fire and it's just some bees. Like this is not insurmountable. We can deal with this. <laughs> Damn, yeah. Mr. Dotrieve's on fire. Well, that'll happen. <laughs> that'll happen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was it was kind of a you know, there's not much to say about the episode generally. It was really fun. It was very funny. Uh, but I loved this is I, I think maybe out of all the ones we watched, this is the most like the show being the show in mm. in in just like I could watch this all day. You know, if every episode was gave me this amount of like laughter and feel good and funny side plots like this is this is the show being its best. I think this one. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? And the Hank, others were clearly Hank get, really good still, but... Hank gets a great line at the end where he asks Bobby if if Bobby wants to help adjust the deductible. <laughs> Would I? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've come to the end of this movie. The credits are, are about to roll. And, you know, we, the way this goes is that it kind of goes to one last moment of we get of those all fun, of us that in our fun prime. 80s flash frame where it yeah, tells us what, but, ha- what, ha- what, ha- what happened with us. Well, before that, you know, it's like one last one last go. And during the during the golden years, you know, during mm. during when everybody was before we were fighting and before I died of paper bones <laughs> and. And before you know, the before, podcast wars of 2015. Uh-huh, before the podcast wars <laughs> happened where all the Joe Rogan soldiers did MMA uh, to other people. Um, to Made to them dominate the world. Made into boxes that you couldn't see in. And, ah, oh, there's spiders. Yeah. Um, that was oh, right, truly, a truly brutal war. Um, but, no, this is this is the shot where it's just like, look at the friends. You know, look at us doing our podcast. And and this is the the moment where we're we're talking about king of the hill and and our the end of our run and how we really enjoyed it yeah and uh we sure did didn't we i did yeah Rory, you picked some you picked some good episodes for us to watch and um what do you what do you think are you are you pleased with with the section the 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 the, the selection with how we talked about it you know this is one of your favorite shows uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad you guys both had a great time uh there there's no there's no perfect way to condense 13 years into six episodes there's so no i'm not i would have loved but you know i i didn't want to you know drag this thing on for 13 weeks while we right you know slowly kind of dissect it year by yeah. year <laughs> but i think you were smart to really focus on hank you know, sure. at the end of the day, like a really strong core of Hank is, you know, that's still the heart of this. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that was really nice to see was to see this progression of Hank Hill <laughs> over from from his unmentionable problem to, <laughs> um, you know, defining being his able brother. to. Yeah, to find his brother and chat openly on the street about having a narrow urethra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, is a lot of development for for our man Hank Hill. Yeah, yeah i i loved I loved these episodes. I love this show. It's such a it's such a good mix of everything that I like about procedural TV. You know, like mm-hmm. like this. It's got a. It doesn't have a formula necessarily. I think it's it's interesting that it doesn't have much of one. Yeah, you know? when it, it it sort of sheds a lot of. There was a lot more going on in the early seasons that is you know that matters episode to episode that uh-huh. you're aware of that 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 is happening in the world that isn't constantly um, reintroduced. Um, right. And is just there's just a more active, busy world. And then as the show goes on, they sort of stop with this the kind of extra what's going on in these people's lives thing. Right. Like Luann doesn't go to beauty school and Bobby and Connie stop dating and uh, right. John Redcorn stops coming around as much as, you know, as a as a as a dalliance with Nancy Gribble. It just right. mm-hmm. it slows down on shit you got to keep track of and kind of takes on a more Simpson-y tone, like this last episode we watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, you didn't really need to know anything about what's going on with these people no. before keeps, or after the episode. It keeps everything that, that made it charming and, like, Oh, the... for sure. It's still good. It, it's just, I, uh, when you talk about kind of, you know, uh, procedural television at its best, I don't disagree specifically. Uh, I also 
you know, have a soft spot in my heart for when it was a little more, a little more yeah. rough around the edges and less, less of a thing you can just drop into every week. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes approachability is like the death of, of goodness, you know, when I, th- I think they knew, you know, it's one of those things they, <laughs> at some point you realize, you know, around season five, like people are just gonna, you're on, you're on, you know, we're still not, we're not in the era of YouTube yet and Netflix mm-hmm. It's still kind of TV is the TV rules and and Simpsons is 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 its king and yeah yeah you're you're, you're airing at the same night as Simpsons. This show is not going anywhere. And I think they made a smart choice to decide we're not going to tell twenty years of this story. You know we're right. just, we have to kind of strip it down to something that people nine years from now will be able to jump into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they it totally, do it well. It like works. they they don't just stop. Luann stops going to beauty school. Lu- I mean, they don't just stop in the sense that it doesn't just fade away, right? Mm-hmm. Bobby and Connie actually break up. Uh, John Redcorn and Nancy Gribble actually break up. Like the stuff that you might need to keep track of is is handled, is closed yep. out, and kind of it enters a sort of second life as the as a procedural show. Yeah, which is fascinating because you know a lot of a lot of shows don't do that. Most shows, uh, it, I would say, it does. It does kind of go back to uh, for the final episode. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it or know anything about no, it. No, actually, no. Uh, okay, so it's a, it's a little bit of a history lesson without going too deep. We, uh, um, it is a it's an interesting choice, I think, uh, because you know, Khan is a is an especially kind of cartoony character who is both lovable and villainous as the show needs. Hmm. And and I think it's a really fun observation when you've got a character like that, when you've got a character who is who's sort of uh, flexible with whether they're an antagonist this episode or or an ally. Uh, when when Min and Connie return to Laos for a for a vacation, um, she asks that Hank make sure he takes his medicine, and we find he's out. He's literally and diagnosably bipolar. And that's sort of the episode is dealing dealing with Khan's bipolar. Uh, mm. And that's the whole episode. It's the final episode is we just kind of, you know, figure out what was going on with Khan this whole time. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's not like, you know, oh, Hank has to meet the president and he's got to drive <laughs> across the country in order to get there on time. You know, like they don't, you know, they don't go no. bigger to 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 feel like they have to end it somehow you know the king of the hill movie you know like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no they, they they just i think just sort of shut the final chapter of like you know what what they what needed to be said about about the people on the show yeah and yeah it, I, don't, I don't know that they knew specifically it was the end of the show for real but i have to think when they wrote it that is but they certainly picked it as the final episode yeah yeah that's cool i like nice that. work king of the hill <laughs> Uh, now we can, we can briefly talk about this. This is, this is the end of our arc. We're also going to be beginning our summer break starting next week. Uh, so we're taking some time off from, uh, from producing the podcast for a few weeks and in the place of normal Saturday morning, Tuesday's episodes, we are going to share with you the sort of, uh, I mean, 
we could call it abandoned. Yeah, like a sort of abandoned idea for a second podcast that we were going to work on. Uh, Way to really sell it. <laughs> we made a sideshow uh, that Rory got to kind of helm, and it was called I've Read Dune with Rory Voy. <laughs> uh, and we have about, I think we have 10 episodes uh, of it, and they're very short. They're like they're like half an hour at the 20, most, I think. Yeah, tw- 15, 15 to, to half th- an hour, yeah. 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 And so we're going to put out about two episodes a week for the next five weeks. Um, We're going to we're going to get these out to you. You get you get more of us, but we get to kind of take a break because we already produced these episodes. So I hope you like it like a Uh, year and a half ago. (laughs) (laughs) Not that long. We've only been doing this podcast for a year and a half. Um, Two two years. But two years in September, Austin, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, All right. All right. Just just have facts. (laughs) <laughs> to re- refute my my lies, uh, so yeah, uh, t- tell us what you think of I've read Dune. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, we're gonna start that next week. I hope you like it. It's a lot of fun, and you know, ton of fun. You get to hear what it's like when Rory rules the show. <laughs> also, you get to hear Kyle Levine's great music uh, yes. that he did for the show as well. So please enjoy all of that. Uh, and then laugh line to leave the episode. So yeah. everyone laugh. Hags. Everyone laugh. Have a good summer. Uh, <laughs> <Hags>. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our film, the film all about our podcast. I especially hope that you enjoyed the portrayal of uh, me, Andy, uh, by, uh, you know, Jonathan actor. Taylor Thomas, Christian Bale, <laughs> not JTT. JTT. Where is it? Where is JTT? What's he doing? Is he even acting? Hashtag anymore? where is JTT? <laughs> <laughs> if we, we get him back. To, OK, we got Jonathan Taylor Thomas back to play me, but we got uh, who, who, who played you guys? That's Rory's played by Ed Sheeran, and I'm played by a teen heartthrob Josh Hartnett. Oh, once once teen, once heartthrob Josh Hartnett. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening to our podcast. Christian Bale. Christian Bale did a bit, or I'm sorry, Ed Sheeran did the sort of Christian Bale uh, <laughs> style. You, you put on a Dick Cheney's amount of weight, but it's a pretty convincing. After that, it's a pretty good. It's yeah, so pretty the doctor. How much do you weigh? Uh, about a I'm Dick like Cheney. A, what, I'm, like a, I'm like an Ed Sheeran plus a Dick one Cheney. One war criminal. <laughs> I'm one Ed Sheeran plus one Dick Cheney. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. It was really fun to do today. And uh, yeah, that's that's we're pun- punting it over to you, Rory. Well, if you guys thought that this was as great as we did, if you thought if you like Saturday Morning Tuesdays the movie, and you're looking for Saturday Morning Tuesdays the movie part two. Two, two more, two, you know, two more, two more podcasts, two more Tuesdays. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then what? You, well, here's what, here's what you can do for us. You can go over to Facebook and say, "Yup, we like this one." And you can go over to Instagram and be like, "Yeah, huh, we're uh huh." And you can go over to <laughs> you can go over to Tim Apple's house and say, <laughs> "It's we even love. good the fifth time." <laughs> <laughs> and you can say, "We love these dudes. We love these guys." You say, and now, Tim. Tim asks you to do a little bit more work than we do. He wants you to to write a he wants you to write a review and give five stars so that he knows. Look, it's not our idea; it's his <laughs> idea. You just gotta do it. We don't make the rules. Um, and then and you go over to Twitter and say, "Hey, we saw you today. We saw you guys looking cute. Uh, you guys were all wearing your matching dresses." 
We do do that. And, yeah, and they saw that. <laughs> we 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 all have the dress from with, from for our uh, milkmaids. Our no, jeez, could you just let me talk for ten seconds? I try. <laughs> I tried so hard. <laughs> I was gonna say we have the bell dress. Hey, Rory, you know when SSX tricky when you're doing those <laughs> snowboard tricks? It's tricky to rock ramps or rock around. It's tricky. <laughs> You're not gonna you're not gonna bum me out talking about SSX tricky. I can have a whole other podcast about this. You've entered my domain now. <laughs> you're trapped in here with me. <laughs> yeah, you're trapped in here with me. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Uh, when you I think we should to... actually. Uh, you know, I I listened to the one you guys recorded while I was while I was indisposed. Uh-huh, I think we yeah. should start saying "see you next Tuesday." I think that's you fun. think. See I you think next that's fun. That's a little. It's a little risque, but it's fun. A little bit. Okay, we'll see you next Tuesday. Woo!